Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Sometimes it just feels like destiny when a designer lands at a fashion house. This is the case for British designer Louise Trotter, who took up the mantle of creative director at Lacoste at the tail end of 2018. Growing up, she played a considerable amount of tennis, and Lacoste was always her go-to label. Her husband is also a bit of a tennis nut, and over the years has built up his own collection of Lacoste pieces that take up a considerable amount of room in his closet. But perhaps the most profound connection comes from the one that Louise felt with the founder of the company, René Lacoste. His rebellious decision to become a tennis player on his own terms resonated with Louise, who from a very early age knew she wanted to be a fashion designer, a career path that really wasn't a consideration for most kids growing up in the North England town of Sunderland. It was Renee's moral code and approach to life on and off the court that Louise connected with, his strategic yet stylish way of playing the game, his sense of fair play, tenacity, and bringing joy into whatever he did are all values that are close to Louise's own heart. And it is the reason why, after still riding high from a successful 10-year stint at the label Joseph, she decided to make the leap to Lacoste and become the brand's first female creative director in the house's almost 90-year history. Since her arrival at the house, Louise has been quick to put her own stamp on the label. Her signature aesthetic slants towards the oversized, be that silhouettes, patterns and prints, or even the iconic Lacoste crocodile. And her approach to the performance wear heritage of the house has been to look at it as creating clothing that quote-unquote perform daily, day in and day out, week after week, garments that are so well-made, flattering, and still maintain a fashion-forward point of view that they are the ones that men and women continually turn to. But what I found perhaps most appealing about Louise during our interview was that she's all about the work. She's not a diva designer with an ego that could fill a room. If she doesn't know about something, say having an encyclopedic knowledge about high-tech performance fabrics, she says so. She takes steps to educate herself and is always looking to learn new things. She's one of those best idea wins designers, encouraging her staff to speak up, and she has created a workplace that promotes teamwork. For Louise, each collection is a new chapter in a continuous journey of sartorial discovery. After listening to this podcast and learning about how Louise likes to work, Lacoste is probably going to find itself inundated with resumes from people wanting to learn from a leader who is as open, inclusive, and creative as Louise. So let's start off a little bit about your own history and relationship to the brand. What was your first connection to Lacoste growing up? I mean, you must have known about it. Of course. I grew up in the north of England and I played tennis as a child, played tennis at school. And of course, that was my first connection was through uh, playing tennis and wearing Lacoste. I mean, Lacoste was quite expensive Mm -hmm. (laughs) in relation, but that was my first connection as a child and then subsequently my husband is I mean I've watched tennis all my life and my husband is a big tennis player and fan and wears a lot of Lacoste and so I think that was really my second biggest connection first as a child and then with my husband Mm -hmm. um, who uh, who wears a lot of Lacoste and wears even more Lacoste today. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's got the inside track there. (laughs) 
Um, so was was it because of your husband and your history? I mean, what made you decide, okay, it's time to jump ship, go to La Costa is the perfect place for me, I want to, you know, go there. And what was it that you made you decide to come here and do this? Because it is a big change for you. I think, you know, after spending 10 years with Joseph, which is a long time, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, Joseph was really... Um, a very personal project for mm. me. I think whenever you choose to change job or whatever you change in life, it's not one thing normally, right? Mm-hmm. There's normally, uh, I think, uh, many different factors that lead you to that point. And I think, you know, the time was kind of right. Mm-hmm. You know, after 10 years, I sort of felt that I wanted a fresh challenge. Mm-hmm. So the timing was really good. And, uh, you know, when I first got the first call, in the beginning, I wasn't told who it was. Ah. <laughs> they were just like, we want to talk to you. And, you know, uh, but there was enough tips where I kind of worked out that mm-hmm. it was probably Lacoste. <laughs> and then understanding it was Lacoste, I think I was initially just a little bit intrigued and mm. interested. Um, because the the foundation is something that I felt connected to and that could be very interesting for me mm-hmm. is, you know a new uh, opportunity and then as I started to talk to the brand and the people inside the brand and researching the history of the brand that I started to really become more and more interested because mm-hmm. it's much more than just tennis it's such a huge history there there's so much more that the the, com- the company has been involved in I imagine that must have been part of what fascinated you or maybe I'm I think what term. really uh, at the beginning you know first of all is just okay is from an aesthetic point of view does this interest me is this something that mm. I can see myself within then when I started to dig deeper and started to actually look at Rene Lacoste mm-hmm. our founder that was really the point that my imagination started to become uh, how can I say it, that it really triggered my imagination at that point and reading about René, understanding about René and him as a man, but also his values, mm-hmm. that was when I really started to become very interested in the project. Tell me more about the values. I mean, René was a guy, was a man, uh, French. He was born in, mm-hmm. in, in France, so he was French. Uh, he was born at the turn of the century. Mm-hmm. So, you know, coming from uh, industrialization, etc., was born into a very wealthy family. Mm-hmm. His father was self-made. And what interested me about René was there was a guy from the beginning who made a decision in life to be a tennis player, which was quite radical, considering, you know, where he came from and his background. That I found really interesting because it's immediately somebody who doesn't follow kind of clear path is something that I always find interesting because that relates to me, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a child and going to school, you know, in Sunderland, saying I wanted to be a fashion designer was like saying I wanted I wanted to be an astronaut and fly to the moon. I mean, what's a fashion designer and what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, so, absolutely. So I find there was a real connection there and I guess there's a lot of people around me, a lot of friends, a lot of people I'm attracted to are those types of people, people who don't follow necessarily the obvious course. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, René was, he was playing tennis at a time when tennis was a very elite game Mm -hmm. and he was really interesting because he was playing this elite sport but with very clear really clear values you know he was I think probably one of the first to be not necessarily the most gifted Mm -hmm. but was incredibly strategic you know like I read about him using surgical tape like in fact they they thought he was a doctor because he was going through so much of this surgical tape (laughs) 
on his tennis racket because he was playing with a wooden tennis racket at to that time. To give him a better grip. Yeah, to stop uh, the tennis elbow. Oh, okay. And so he was really strategic and he studied his opponents. Um, so he was incredibly uh, intelligent in his approach of the game because he wasn't naturally the most gifted. In fact, he suffered a lot with his health throughout his life. But he was incredibly strategic, but at the same time had a value where it wasn't about winning at all costs. Like he wanted to win with style and he wanted to win in the right way. And the more you read about him, the more you understood that actually that was not just the way he lived his life on court, it was the way he lived his life. And how did you want to translate that into what you're doing here at Lacoste, bringing his values back into your design process and what you're bringing to the house? Because I, f- I felt that the brand was really about sporting values, that hmm. it was about not just the values of sport as sport, but also the values of that in life. And I firmly believe in life, you need to succeed in the right way. Mm-hmm. It's not just about success, it's about no, doing it in the right way. It's about doing it in the right way, and without getting too political, I think at this time, those values really resonated with me, mm-hmm. because I think everything that's happening at this time, those values are even more important mm-hmm. today, and that's what really attracted me to the brand, is mm-hmm. that here is a brand that has very clear values that relate to its heritage, that means something mm-hmm. today, and actually means something to me. Mm-hmm. That was what really brought me into Lacoste. So talk to me then about how, so the values, are we talking uh, teamwork, innovation, you know, a certain level of proper behavior or, or proper way of looking or dressing. I'm trying to get it yes. drilled down a little bit yes. more into Yes, I think, you know, when you think about it, it's like, you know, I actually, you know, I thought about a lot of, you know, what does that mean today? And, you know, I think it's things like community, joy, teamwork, mm. fair play, tenacity. Those are the kind of uh, values that I think the brand has, Mm -hmm. that René had, and that I think I want to focus on going forward. And how we focus on, on, on those values in the way we behave, in the decisions that we make in the way the collection feels. So really um, living by those values as a brand. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit more about this idea of how the collection feels. I think that's an interesting descriptive because it's not one I hear very often. When you talk about feel, I mean, already you can see the proportions are very different. There's Mm -hmm. definitely a comfort level to it. But tell me more about that because that that piques my interest. Well, I mean, the way that we behave as a group Mm -hmm. and the design team, you know, I try to install that we should really behave as a team with team spirit that we should be respectful of each other at all times. I really believe that it's, you know, during the collection process, it's a journey and it's not necessarily the result. But, you know, I've done, for example, shows Mm -hmm. where the journey has been pretty awful and the result has been great. And I've come away from those shows not feeling particularly satisfied or happy by the result. I've had other ones where the journey has been great and the result has not been as good. (laughs) And honestly, I find those the most rewarding and fulfilling because I think it's in it really is about the journey. Mm-hmm. And, and I try to really install that with my team. We don't always get it right. We make mistakes, but it's all about improvement mm-hmm. and, and how we deal with those mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's really, for me, the most important part. You know, and coming back to your previous question of my career has never really been, there's never really been a master plan. It's always been like, OK, what can I learn from this? And, and sort of what does this bring to me at this time that can improve me and make me better at my game. And I've had a quite a varied, you know, from big corporations to smaller companies because 
just at that time, that challenge is what I feel mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, my next masterclass, my next kind of like, you yeah. know, how do I learn? So that's something that I try to bring into the team mm-hmm. and into the way we we behave. But also that I try to make sure that everything we do, we try to do with integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we make this the best it can be? Mm-hmm. How can we make this be something that people are going to be fulfilled by, that are going to, uh, it's going to work mm-hmm. <laughs> in their lives? How do we make it something that people are going to enjoy, that they can move, that they can have freedom of movement, have uh, you know enjoyment in these pieces, mm-hmm. and also how do we take performance because we are we come from a performance history, but you know Lacoste today is a lifestyle brand. It's not just about tennis yeah. or golf. How do we actually make sure that we can perform in life as well as we want to perform on court or on the green? You talked about this being your new math, next masterclass, and I am a big fan of all those masterclass um, <laughs> videos. <laughs> Binge watched those for the holidays. Can you tell me what you thought that Lacoste could teach you then? Well, I think it's my biggest job to date. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think from that point of view, it's really about understanding much bigger business and that interested me I mean I've worked for bigger organizations in the past but this is the biggest so I found that really really interesting I also really liked found it interesting to work for a brand that has a very clear purpose and that I found really really interesting also the fact that it's so broad you know, it's everything from Novak all the way through to Ashore. Men's, women's, kids, everything. And so the scope, really, I found quite fascinating. So I think those were really the, the elements. And the fact that it was, you know, a lot of it is performance wear, which I don't have history in, and that really interested me. Well, talk to me a little bit about that. How is your uh, mind being blown by some of the fabrics or some of the techniques? or What is the... Because it is. There's so much of the other brands in the world that are now, you know, really pulling from the tech that's coming out of sportswear and yeah. sports technology and are there fabrics or or techniques or bonding or whatever that that are really like wowing you right now I think you know what I found interesting was to come into not really being a sports specialist and Mm -hmm. we're not you know this is not our you know we obviously we play in the game of tennis and golf but what I try to do is to really cross pollinate between both and what I mean by that is you know, I'd spent the last 10 years thinking about performance, like how do I give clothes to women and men that perform in the everyday? And what are the differences that make those pieces be the pieces you want to wear every day, right? Mm. Like how do you elevate the everyday and how can you perform in the everyday and be the best that we can be? And, you know, then working on performance, because one of the first projects I did coming in was actually the Olympics 2020. Um, so it was like a baptism of fire coming directly Seriously. into that. And into Roland Garros. They were my two first projects. And what I found... Really, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no, no whatsoever. But, you know, I asked a hell of a lot of questions and, and sort of, you know, and I'm by no means an expert, but I have ex- experts in my team. Mm-hmm. But what I try to do is to think about, in the end, performing on court or performing on the street is about being able to operate your best. Mm -hmm. And how do I think about that in the same way? You know, so how do we make our athletes feel the best they can be and be able to perform in the best way they can? Because very quickly, you know, I recognise that performance is not just a physical, it's a mental thing. And how do you make sure that our athletes feel the best that they can be, be the strongest that they can be? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is also 
just how you look at the detail. Like, how do I detail this? How do I look at this? How do I think this through to make sure that our athletes can perform at their best? So I kind of took a mindset of old into new Mm -hmm. and then also took the new into old. Like, how do I take these performance, like these fabrics, these details, uh, these bonding techniques, these, you know, how do I take that into Mm -hmm. the performance in the street? So tend to cross-pollinate between... Those two things. Those two things. What I found fascinating in your answer was you talked about how, you know, you asked and you said, I don't know. And you asked your team, there are a lot of designers out there who would never admit that they didn't know or would ask for help or something like that. Would you think that's a characteristic of you as an individual? Do you think that that's because, let's be honest, you're the first female designer for the for the house and its history? Do you think it's a trait of, that women bring to what they do in general? Do you think that... I'm just wondering what you think about that. I don't know, honestly. I don't know. I just, you know, I'm not interested in blagging anything. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so if I don't know, I don't know, and I ask, and, okay. and then I learn. I know that I come with a certain level of experience that I bring, and there's things that I don't know. But, you know, I have a team that are there to educate me, and we're there to learn from each other. And do you think do you feel any sort of pressure as being a female designer? Do you think that helps? Does it? Or I mean, it's it's an odd question because you don't know anything other than being a female designer, right? Yeah. But do you feel a certain pressure in that you have to represent to a certain extent uh, the women of the world? Or no, no, not at all. Mm. I mean. You know, um, that it's a question that's been asked a lot. I bet, yeah. And, you know, I was, um, I remember when I first signed and I came in to sign and, and I remember looking up and asking, am I the first female? Oh my God, you didn't realise until <laughs> no, then? I didn't realise. <laughs> and we with all that, that research. <laughs> uh, yeah, it hadn't actually really dawned on me, but I was signing the papers and, and, and you know, I looked up um, and, and sort of asked, am I the first female? And you know what? Uh, there was a pause, and the answer was, yeah, yeah, I guess you are. So I don't think any of us had gone into that. Oh, wow. With, I don't think, really thinking about, okay, this is a woman, um, and an English woman designing for a, for a French brand. No pressure. No pressure. But I was, you know, as a child, I was brought up with parents who both worked, who instilled in my sister and I that there were no barriers, and everything was open to us as long as we worked hard to achieve it. Um, it was always about the effort. And always doing your best. Always doing your best. And that there were... We never even talked about male or female barriers. Hmm. We just talked about you being the best you can be, performing the best you can, and working hard. And if you worked hard, you achieved. And everything was based on that. So I never really was brought up with any kind of male-female dominant or kind of... Uh, stereotypical stereotypes Mm -hmm. it was very much just you work hard and you achieve and so um I've never really gone into it thinking I'm a woman and I don't really think about that at all Mm -hmm. you know I think women design different to men for Mm -hmm. sure how how do you see the difference how is the difference I think possibly a slightly more uh instinctive way I Mm. think women uh I also think you know a big shift for me was when I had my children because suddenly you are juggling a lot more having children and I mean we're all juggling that's for sure um you become master of the multitask you become a master of multitask and you know I mean I work long hours and my kids are a little bit older now so I can continue to work longer hours but you know certainly when they were babies there was a time where I had to draw a line and say okay I'm going home and just it made that you know the time that I was in work I needed to be the most productive I could be mm-hmm. so I actually became a lot more I made decisions and decisive I, yeah, yeah I just became decisive mm-hmm. and 
you know, if you have to make that decision, you do it. Mm -hmm. I know it was recently announced that Mark, who you used to work with, that Joseph is coming over to help with the menswear. Is that right? He's come. Mark has come over to help me on a men's show mm -hmm. and our collabs. All right. And, and is this, again, this idea of teamwork and wanting to have a great team around you? And Yeah, I mean, again, it was, I had a position and, you know, Mark was timing it's always timing right mm -hmm. the timing was just right the timing was right for him and you know I've worked with Mark in the past uh, we worked together as we were building uh, the menswear for Joseph in uh, sort of around 2014 and we have a you know a very kind of mutual uh, way of working and and it's good teamwork you mm -hmm. know he's a good team player and uh, good trust there's no price for that. Good trust is priceless, in yeah. my opinion. So talk to me a little bit about the codes that you're trying to instill, because your predecessor, I mean, really before elevated it, changed it, you know, the perception of Lacoste, I think, in a way where before it was really considered sports and then it became more lifestyle, like you said. Mm. But you definitely put your own stamp on it. There's no question. There's a different look. There's a different feel. But I want to know about what, when you think about Lacoste for you, the codes that you want to add in. I mean, the all-in-one pieces that look like different pieces, but are actually one single piece, the, yeah. the, the larger shapes. But let me, I'm not going to answer this question. I'm going to let you answer this question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Felipe did an amazing job, you know, in his time and a lot of respect for him for what he did. And it goes that goes without saying for me mm -hmm. I mean you know I think uh, he did an amazing job and of course when you come in you know I'm different mm -hmm. to him I have different viewpoint and you know I came in really having done a lot of homework you know when I arrived I was pretty much I knew kind of what I wanted to say and and I think part of that is also the process that I have to go through to really connect to the brand you know I'm at a certain age and stage of my career now and the decision to come here was not one that I took lightly absolutely and I think you as a designer I need to find where I connect to the brand and what I want to do you know there has to be a part of your soul that connects to that brand because you live and breathe it mm -hmm. and for me when I looked at the brand Lacoste is a very French brand evidently okay. yeah <laughs> we know that it's this probably the Frenchest <laughs> of the French and, <laughs> you know Coco Chanel and Lacoste, yeah. It's, it's, it's a French brand and, you know, having uh, been back and forth with Joseph for 10 years, which was an Anglo-Franco brand, I had some uh, strong sense of uh, the sensibility and the culture of French. And, you know, when I talk about it being a French brand, what I mean by that is the obvious, but also the fact that for me to be French is very much, it's very much a culture of contrasts. And, you know, we can take that through from everything, from your history, uh, you know, through to uh, the, the way you eat, uh, architecture, everything. It's a brand of contrasts. And Lacoste is a brand of contrasts. René was, in one side, uh, a very elegant man. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was playing a very elegant sport with very elegant values. But he also took a crocodile and he put it on his chest. You know, already he was a man of contrasts, mm -hmm. you know, and I talk about from the beginning, he was a man of contrasts. And for me, Lacoste really is a brand of contrasts because on one side, we're a heritage brand mm -hmm. with a very rich heritage, but at the same time, we're a brand of innovation. Yeah. And so those two things, to me, are very, very French, <laughs> you know, because I think the French managed to, you know, look at Paris, you know, it's seeped in its history and mm -hmm. it's kind of uh, its heritage and its culture. But at the same time, there's an incredible modernity to it. You know, mm -hmm. you have the Louvre and you put a 
pyramid in the middle. Exactly. And for me, this is very Lacoste. And it's also very much my character. I've always been somebody who really uh, finds harmony in contrasts. And How do you find harmony in contrasts in your life? I mean, what, tell me, give me more of something. Talk to me a little bit more about that, like when you talk about you, that you love contrasts. Yeah, I see that you clearly understand the contrast in the house, but what is it about <laughs> it that you like so much? Do you know, I think it comes from, um, and it took me a long time to work this out, why I do love contrast so much. And I find myself, you know, if I'm somewhere very beautiful, I start to get at a certain point quite uneasy because my eye aesthetically, I think, really finds harmony and pleasure and balance in things that play off each other. And I think it comes to the fact that I was born in the Northeast in an area that was quite depressed. Mm-hmm but had incredible nature and coastal beauty around mm-hmm. me. So I think on one side it was this industrial city, but then this beautiful coastline and, mm. and, and country. So I think those two things, the contrast of that is, is harmony and balance for me. And That's fascinating. And so, yeah, and, and that's where I find, you know, and I find naturally when I'm working on anything, be it if I'm working on a collection, if we're working on one thing, I always need to look for the, for the opposite of that mm-hmm. to find the balance mm-hmm. so if we're doing something I'm like okay what am I doing to to switch that off because for me that's harmony and that's that's balance and I think it's also life can you tell me a little bit about your actual design process then are you somebody who likes to drape fabric somebody who likes to do mood boards somebody who does you know sketches in the middle of the night and brings them into this the team is it everybody brings something and we all put it up together how do you what is your process I observe a lot I like to observe a lot. Hmm. I like to observe how people dress. I like to observe kind of what's happening around the world at a given time. And I kind of like to process that and think about that. So I observe a lot. I talk a lot. I think communication is everything. I think the actual part of sketching or, you know, is tiny in a collection. For me, almost the sketch is the last, you know, the kind of thing. It's everything that goes prior to that. I think everything is a reaction. You know, after doing one collection, I'm immediately, as soon as I finish a collection, I'm critiquing that collection mentally. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about what was good, what was bad, what I liked, what I didn't like. It's all happening constantly inside mm-hmm. my head. And then there's a lot of dialogue between myself and the team. Mm-hmm. I like to work as much as possible uh, across across the team. I like to cross-pollinate ideas. Recently, uh, I asked the girl from Live, one of, you know, could she design a, what would she design as a polo shirt for one of our professional tennis players? Just to see what she would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shake <laughs> um, things up a bit. What about, so then you said, you know, what you liked and what you didn't like. So let's take this collection that we see being filmed on loop behind us. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to softball it for you. I'm going to say, no, what, did you, no, no, what did you like that. from this collection? What did you like from this collection that you really wanted to pull as a, you know, full, uh, as a thread that you wanted to continue to explore from this collection? What did I, I like? Well, I think, well, there was something that maybe you were like, ooh, that's an idea I want to continue to explore. You know, I think uh, color is is a big thing and i think lacoste you know whilst for me the the most beautiful piece we do is the white polo on the slim it's the for me the the piece i love the most that we produce i think the color and uh, the combination of color is something that i think is very us and i think was one of the most successful parts was the use of color and how the color came together especially at the end on the clay i'd say the sense of ease you know i really how can i say i find men and women at their most attractive when they're at their most ease you know i find clothes really uh, give the wearer confidence as when 
they're at their most natural and easiness. Mm -hmm. For me, nothing is more unattractive than somebody who looks like the clothes are taking over them yeah. and look uncomfortable in their clothes. So I think that sense of ease, I also think that sense of bringing in a combination of heritage with innovation in sportswear mm -hmm. and those two things combined. You know, I like to sort of think about the fact that Lacoste appeals to so many different people mm -hmm. on so many different levels and that it's a brand really that many people can participate in in many different ways mm -hmm. and I find that incredibly interesting and I like the fact that it's there can be clothes that you can you can hand down you know I have personally a Lacoste shirts from my husband that I'm keeping for my son I have a, a lovely story of a friend of mine who has um who has children and I bumped into them recently and their son was wearing uh, a great Lacoste polo shirt from the 70s. And the, the grandmother had kept all of her Lacoste polo shirts oh, wow. when she was a child and now her son is wearing them. And so I really like the idea that we're creating clothes that can be kept mm -hmm. and can be handed down and that become pieces that you cherish. Mm -hmm. At the same time, there are pieces that we're creating today that will be, you know... So I like this mix of you know, kind of heirloom pieces and sportswear innovation, mm -hmm. past and present. And I find that quite interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I try to do with this collection, is, is kind of that combination of pieces you cherish and pieces that are new. This wasn't on my list of questions, but I did want to ask because it does seem to be the subject of the new decade, which is sustainability and, and, and you know, eco-friendly. And if you believe the New York Times, there's we've got 10 years and that's it to get, yep. turn this all around. How do you want to address that and what you do here at Lacoste? I think it's something we take, we're taking very seriously. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that uh, we're looking at very holistically. We're taking a very kind of full approach to how we want to to tackle this issue. We have not made any steps in the sense of public steps on mm -hmm. that right now because most brands who are are doing it as a big marketing exercise. Yeah, greenwashing, yeah. And that's not our value. I think when we make our steps, there will be really considered and serious steps. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that we're really looking into really fully. Okay. Um, You're doing your famous research that you, before you step out. Okay. I get that. I think it's, that that's important. Yeah, because I think it's, you know, there are things we are obviously doing that we're not talking about that we're doing because we don't want to use it as a marketing or a selling hook. But we are really looking at everything in our approach of, of how we're tackling this issue mm -hmm. because it is an issue and we recognise it's a huge issue. Mm -hmm. So here are my five very generic fashion questions. So my first one is, what is your favourite piece of clothing that you own that you love and cherish above all others? Is my I, yes, it's uh, I have my father's Aaron sweater. Yeah, that would be the one. I would you know not everybody has a lot of money. You talked about how Lacoste, you know, there are different price points and people can be part of the Lacoste family at different levels. Um, but if there's one piece, one item in general that a woman or a man should really invest money in, like spend that extra amount, something that will maybe last longer, what would you say that one piece should be from Lacoste? But in general, what do you think? The one piece that people should spend their money on. It's a tough question. You know, I don't think there is one piece that everybody should spend their money on. I think generally we should buy less and buy better, generally. I think buy things that you love, honestly. Buy what you love. Mm -hmm. You have to love it, I think. And that's something that I've been doing for quite a while now, kind of really uh, questioning how I consume and buying things that I really love and giving myself time to decide are those really the pieces that I want. So I think... Uh, it's not one piece, but buy things that you really love and will cherish. Mm -hmm. You and I are absolutely on the same wavelength right there. What? Who is your favorite designer, living or dead? 
Uh, I think Yves Saint Laurent, because he gave trousers to women, which is, for me, you know... Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, great. What Next question, then. What trend will you never follow? Never say never. Okay, okay. So, hot pants, maybe. <laughs> yeah, do you know, I think never say never. You know, there are certain things that I, um, that I don't necessarily like, but I've actually used them and worked on them in the past as a challenge to myself. Well, that's interesting. Okay. There's actually something coming up in the next collection which Mark reminded me. Remember you don't like this. And I'm like, I, I remembered it really well, but I'm going <laughs> to face it. <laughs> all right, so after the next show, I'm going to come up to you afterwards and I'm going to be like, yeah, all right, I tell me what, what piece it? it. Yeah, yeah, what piece it was. Okay. Um, and then your final question is, um, what do you love most about fashion? What do I love most about fashion? Expression, I think. Expression, I think that's how I, you know, when I started, um, I started wanting to be in fashion really, really early as a mm. child. In fact, I was the, the kid who used to make my doll's clothes. Like, I used to change my doll's clothes, then it was my uniform and... Uh, like. ah. um, and I think it was always because I wanted to express myself. It was a form of expression. And so I think uh, that's what I love about fashion. And I hope, as we go through this transition, clothes will start to be more of a form of self-expression rather than just, you know, kind of this blanket uniform. Um, I'd like to see more self-expression through clothes. Mm-hmm. I think we miss it. Mm. Please, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you. I'm really you. honored to have this thank time with you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.